0: You're listening to The Prime Podcast, the young adult culture of Abundant Living Faith Center with Cruz Ramirez and Mark McGaffin.
1: My people, Prime people, welcome back to another episode of The Prime Culture Podcast. I am sitting here in the studio with Cruz Ramirez.
0: Hey, just happy to be in the house. Come on, man. Hey, today is probably the most important one we've done so far. Um, I'm super excited because in the studio with us, we have our senior pastor, the chief visionary of our church, <laughs> <laughs> the incomparable Pastor yeah. Charles Neiman. Pastor, thank you for being with us today. Hey, so excited.
1: My, my pleasure. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of great things we're going to jump into today, but before we do, this is very important. Yeah, I need to know your personal opinion. What team is the greatest pro basketball team of all time? Of all time. Don't look at me, Mark. I'm I'm am de- deferring to the one who can speak m-
0: to more time than my time. So yeah, you're trying to get me in trouble
1: with <laughs> here, right? Yeah. First off, for, before they hear a word there out of is. me, they're, <laughs> already, they're <laughs> angry.
2: Hey, look, I, I'm biased. Everybody that knows me knows I'm biased, right? I've been a, a huge Laker fan the Laker since since I was a kid. And uh, it's funny because people ask me all the time, say, you know, you live in El Paso, you become a Laker fan. Why aren't you a Spurs fan? Well, because the Spurs didn't exist when I was a kid. If you were, right. We didn't have pro teams in Texas. Wow. All we had was the Cowboys. That was it. Wow. We didn't have baseball. We didn't have all that came after I was, you know, so if you wanted to have a pro team, you had to look somewhere else. Wow. And the natural <laughs> thing, <clears throat> excuse me, living in El Paso is to look to L.A., you know, I mean, we're actually closer to L.A. than we are anywhere, anywhere
0: else. Yeah. Wow.
2: So <clears throat> my favorite team was that Laker team with Magic Johnson, James oh, yeah. Worthy. Showtime. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow. Yeah, the Showtime era. Uh, they were just everything, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, Magic revolutionized the point guard position, yeah, revolutionized sure. it. Yeah. And then he comes in as a rookie and plays center, you know, from the championship that's game. That's
1: incredible, no matter how you spin it. That's any way, incredible. Anyway, way you look at yeah, it.
2: James Worthy was one of the all-time. I mean, all those guys are Hall of Famers. And uh, you had Michael Cooper there and, you know, then the, all the role players. And, uh, I mean, it was a phenomenal team. And the whole Rock and Forum deal, you know, with the movie stars and yeah. Showtime. What a, and, what a
0: setup, right? right. Yeah, what, a, what, a setup. what a setup. And it was
2: like they were all perfect. You know, you had the master showman in, in Magic, right. and then you had stoic, super serious Kareem.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, yeah. but, uh, you know, kind of angry all the time. <laughs> magic always happy. You know, yeah. and, I mean, it was it was quite what a mix. A mix. And, yeah. you know, and you had Michael Cooper, your shutdown oh. defensive guy. Wow. It was awesome. For me, it's got to
1: be the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you can't argue with that. Harper, Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. Can't argue with it. One of the big guys yeah. I mean, Longley, Kerr, whoever else. Oh my God, Steve Kerr, all those love guys. Love the Bulls. I love them. I mean, we can't. The Bulls can't seem to put anything together now in the last Bless 15, their 20 hearts. years. But man, that team for that, even all of the nineties. I mean, geez. I Dominated. Know, yeah, they're trying to like measure other teams up to the Bulls, but I just no. don't see it.
2: No. Imagine what happens if Michael didn't take two years off. Oh,
1: no shit.
0: kidding. Oh man!
1: What could he that, have accomplished?
0: They win two more, right? That's eight, right? They'd, they'd be at eight. Yeah, they'd be at eight, eight rings. Eight. Jeez. Dominant. Jeez. So I'm 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 lining up with Pastor Charles though. So I grew up I grew up in L. A. Um, and I grew up about 15 minutes from the Great uh, the Great Western Forum, right? And so, oh. um, I got the chance to to be influenced both by Showtime and then by the Kobe Shaq era. Oh, I right? yeah,
2: that was pretty good. Yeah, too.
0: yeah. So I grew up I grew up skyhooking. Right, Kareem, <laughs> let's go. And and fading away and saying Kobe, right? Yeah. Um. So I'm no, but I'm with I'm with uh, I'm with Pastor. To me, the the one that in my mind carries the most nostalgia, the most mystique around it, has got to be Magic in the crew. Wow. It's got to be Magic in the crew. Yeah. We're talking team, right? But like, team. if who who's your who's like standout favorite player? Like you look at me like, man, I want to be that guy. Like I would want like if I could, I would swap bodies and play be that guy for a week or something.
2: You know, I mean, I've had this argument. People have, you know, but it's your opinion, so you're entitled to it. You know, I've I've always felt, and I'm sure this is going to upset people, but I've always felt that Magic was the greatest player of all time. Wow. wow! And and here's the reason why: taking nothing away from Michael Jordan, Magic could play all five positions.
1: Mm. Uh, that's true. That's facts. All five that's positions. Facts. Only other person gets close is LeBron, probably. Yeah. Playing and and
2: not and not even in theory. Magic did it. Yeah, wow! Right, and he did it on the highest stage, final game of the championship. Jeez. He goes in and plays center, Jeez. scores thirty plus, nineteen <laughs> something rebound, I think. Wow! Right, and wins the game for the Lakers. They win the championship. Done. I mean, as great as Michael was, you could never play Michael at center. No, he's too thin. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't play there. Magic did it. Could play point guard, shooting guard.
0: Some power forward.
1: Power forward, small forward, and so I mean, he could play all five positions.
0: He's great at no matter yeah. what your
1: list is, Magic has to be at the, at the very top of any list. Easily. easily. For, for me, the easily. greatest is Jordan. But if I was going to pick a player to be, I would love to be Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> I would oh, just love it. Gosh, that's how... <laughs> you
0: beat me, too. Yeah. I was going to say Allen Iverson or yeah. Stephon Marbury. I would love <laughs> to be Dennis Rodman. Bad, <laughs> bad boys. I love... What are you going to do?
2: <laughs> I was a huge fan when he was in the league. Oh my! I gosh. thought I thought he was astounding. Yeah. yeah, he made every team he was on better. Absolutely,
1: yep. leveled them every up. team. Yep. Absolutely, well, you know, all these great teams that uh, that we look at in all professional sports—they're full of great talent, great leaders, people that are idolized in some respect. People grow up wanting to be like them. We see even with Michael Jordan, you see Kobe Bryant with so many similarities between their game. And we focus a lot of the players, but I think that when it comes to having a great team, the players, of course, are important, but. I think that we have to take a look at the front office, too, because they are the ones really building this, this team. I think you look at the Warriors, for instance. I mean, they built that team. And, you know, when we're, when we're talking about it, I start looking at it, you know, for us in church life and how important it is what we are building. Yeah. And so we're, we're sitting here at the East Church, and we're surrounded by the, the vision of what God placed in, in yours and Pastor Rochelle's heart all these years ago. And it's to me, it's 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 just incredible to think of, and kind of want to dig into that a little bit. And I mean, did you ever think back at the beginning that this is what God would be doing? You know, Mark, I'd
2: love to say yeah, yeah, I saw it all, but that'd be lying. You know, um, you know, we always thought, e- even when we had two hundred, hmm. okay, um, we always thought that that uh god god wanted to do something big in our community because our community is a big community i mean there's 700,000 people live here uh, maybe more um you know it's not as big as some but it's not small either and so we always felt like like you know uh we should we should do something big here and and then the pattern in the Book of Acts is big churches, you know, they, they, they were large, Brilliant. you know. Uh, I've heard, I mean, I, who knows, I mean, you can't, uh, none of us were alive back then, but I, I've heard that the uh, church in Jerusalem was 50,000 people, wow. you know, wow, and um, at its height, you know, before they got dispersed, you know, but it's a gigantic church, that's a big church today. Uh, Back then, it was huge. Um, So, you know, we always felt that. Um, I, we we had, uh, we were still downtown in that original sanctuary that sat about eight hundred. And I was uh, speaking at a friend of ours church in Albuquerque, and I was supposed to be able to catch a flight and fly in on that Sunday morning in time to do the service. It was weather, and flight got canceled, and I had to miss. So I was in the room waiting for the next flight, and I was just really frustrated, and I was just walking around, and I thought, well, I'll just pray for the service. And so I was you know, praying for the service taking place here in town. And I remember I uh, was—I remember the very hotel I was at. I was at the Marriott there right on the freeway, you know, and I was standing there and in my room. I had my eyes closed, and and very seldom does God deal with me like this. But I just saw a vision, and in this vision, I saw a building. And the building looked like the building we're right outside of right now, the East Sanctuary. It looked just like it. And I remember I was standing on the stage, and I could— look, and it went around kind of like like this one does, it wrapped around, and people were up like level with me, and I was like, I've never seen anything like that, and there was, a, there was a floor, but what I kept looking at was like what we now call the risers, but nobody was building churches like that then. Everybody was a flat floor yeah. and a balcony. Wow. Those were churches, and there was even movie theaters were flat, you know, a slope floor and a balcony. The only buildings that had risers were basketball arenas. Wow. And nobody built a building like that until John Osteen built Lakewood in Houston for for the church world. The original Lakewood. The the small sanctuary, the eight thousand <laughs> seat sanctuary. So um, uh, you know, I saw that in my vision and it was just packed. In fact, I can close my eyes right now and still see it and and uh, and I heard the Lord speak to me, and he said, one day you'll pastor a church like this, and you'll have 10,000 people in it. Hmm. Wow. And, I mean, we were pastoring a church maybe 1,500, and there were no 10,000-member churches back then hmm. that I knew of. I'm sure there probably were somewhere, but not in my world. I came home, and I shared it with Rochelle, and Rochelle was like, yeah right. Great. Amen. You know. I mean. I mean. It, it, I mean. It wasn't like uh, to us. Yeah, it was like. Yeah. Well, yeah. That wouldn't make sense because of the size of our wow. community. You know. And and we. Rochelle and I always thought about things as being relative. Mm. You know. I tell people I spoke at the biggest church in the world years and years and years ago, and they said, "Oh, you spoke at Doctor Cho's?" And I said, "Yeah, I've, I've spoken there, but." The biggest church in the world that I knew about at the time was a church I spoke at in Adairville, Kentucky. People say, well, you know, Pastor, what? Okay, but listen, there's a 1,000 people in the city, and 300 were there on Sunday morning. Wow. wow. It's the biggest church in the world. It's incredible. It's a third of the population yeah. of the town comes to his church. There was, there was not a sheriff, a judge, a mayor, anybody got elected wow. in that town without that pastor, without that church supporting him. Wow. He was the central figure. I mean, that church is the central figure of the community. So I think, you know, when you talk about church, when you talk about this, talk about business, talk about whatever, it's relative a lot of times to where you live and the community you're in. So I've never never been intimidated by uh, somebody's church in a town of five million, you know, that, that may be bigger than ours, Um I'm saying, okay, but you have five times the population mm, too. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying that as a put down. I, th- I, th- I think that that helps guys to understand, you know, large or fruitful or big is oftentimes relative, you know, to the pond you're swimming in. Wow, you know, and uh, you know, there there are some really successful restaurants in America. Uh, in towns of ten or 12,000 people that a lot of people would go, wow, well, a lot of restaurant guys would go, oh, how can you live like that? Well, but they're really successful there. Yeah. Now, compared to New York City, well, probably not, you know, where they're feeding thousands and this guy's feeding hundreds. Wow. But he's still very successful, sure. you know. So wow. I, just, I just think that – so, yeah, you know, we kind of looked at that and we always thought about that. Uh, once that vision got into my spirit about that, then it kind of lifted us up, and we began to move in that direction, you know, and kind of always held that in front of us. In fact, it got so strong in us that at the time when God showed it to me, nobody was doing multiple services. Everybody was doing one service. So I thought we were going to build a 10,000-seat sanctuary, mm-hmm. oh, wow. which would have been ridiculous. But... um, So when we came out and we started looking for land, you know, I would actually say to developers, yeah, but we've got to be able to park for 10,000 people in attendance. And they would just roll their eyes and laugh at me, you know, so you don't have any idea. So, I mean, we came out here, we ended up buying 43 acres, you know, and, and two purchases. But. You know, even then, I always felt like we would end up buying more until I got the concept of multiple services. Mm. And once I saw that concept, which God had to take me to Michigan and preach at a church there that did multiple services, and I remember in between services, I called Rochelle and I said, we can do this. That's
0: incredible. Wow. You know, That's we, we can
2: do it. And she said, well, how, how do they do it? And I said, well, they do it like this and this and this. She said, yeah, we can do that. Wow. So we came back and we started multiple services right away. Wow. And then that opened up a whole new world to us.
0: Wow. I love the concept that you just shared right now, Pastor, where, where everything you're building is so it's so scaled and it's so strate- specific, not strategic, but specific to your current situation. And here always changes, right? Um, about 13, 14 years ago, my, my experience here at Abundant Living was I was up at the very, almost very top of the risers, during a Thrive Conference, okay. This past Thrive Conference in January, I had a moment. I actually, I actually got to hold a microphone during Thrive Conference. I don't say that obnoxiously. I say that like, man, what an honor right. to get to, get to have a small part yeah. in a Thrive Conference. And I had this moment. It was it was it was Thursday night of conferences here, and I was doing the prayer, and then first time guest announcements, right? Um, and and I just had this moment, and I was just taken back to how my here has changed, right? Yeah, like. Fifteen years ago, here was up in the risers. Never would have thought, right? Right? Never, never, would, never would have dreamt that I'd have a part, and yeah. that I'd have a place, and that my here, although it's still in the same building, would be so significantly different. Because of what God was building in me and in my yeah. family through the impact of this ministry, through right. the impact of this church, right? Um, and you know, for, for for those of us that are for those that are listening and leaning into this, like never discount what here looks like, right? Mm. Right? Never discount what here okay. looks like, and never never sell yourself short. I love what Pastor said. This is one of the things that I love about our Pastor, is that like he will grit up and square up and boss up with anyone, right? And I love it. he said, you know, man, I'm not going to be intimidated by someone who's who's in a city of five million. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Pastor. I, I think you put, you put you, you put our team in a city of five million. We run that town. I, I, I believe it. God has put us in our city, right? And I think, I think we'll grow to where, wherever our, our location is. But something that just oozes out of that statement that I'm not intimidated of, of by someone who's in a bigger city in a bigger environment than me, I'm going to do the most I can here. Uh, that something that oozes out of that was Pastor Rochelle's commitment to excellence, oh, sure. which is we're going to do our very best here. Now, our very best with what we got, where we are, Mm -hmm. you know, and man, I think, I think that you and I, I mean, and I'm sure everyone that's listening, you've all got stories of how the church has impacted you. Some of you, this may be your, you may be the first one in your family that is, that is experiencing Jesus and experiencing the, the message of, of abundant living, the message of grace and faith. Maybe you're the, you're a third generation wherever you're at you you need to understand that through what God has done at our church the impact of man was it 44 years now almost 43
2: yeah 43
0: wow Incredible. um that you know your are is different because pastor Charles and his family took their here 40 plus years ago so seriously right um and so i think that i think that um that's such a big deal right and so um really let let, let me um, unpack this thought let me ask this question your 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 trajectory, Pastor, and over the last several years, and you know the, every stage of your life. How how did you become aware of what you, how you're here was changing? If that makes sense, right? Um, we've our our audience and the, and those who are the culture that is following us and listening to this they're, they're in some tension right now, right? Mm. I'm not, I'm not a teenager anymore. I just finished college. You know, I don't have a full blown job, but I'm not a kid. I've got my own money. I've got some autonomy. And so I'm trying to figure out what here looks like for me and what to do here. Right. And so in some of those transitionary periods for you, when things grow, when things grew, when things leveled up, when the budget got bigger, when the, when the congregation went from 2000 to 6,000, you know, when you went from Shannon to Jared, or you know what I mean, like now we go from one to two, like gi- give us give us some nuggets on, on really just how you how you managed. Okay, I'm I'm analyzing my here, and here's how I'm going to move forward.
2: Yeah, glad to. It's a great question. The, before I answer that, I I would add this thought to the previous thought. When you when you realize that that you know you're doing the best you can with what you've got, where you're at and because you're doing that, then size is relative to the community or the place where you're at. It it does two things. Number one, it when you understand that, then you can walk into a room and you feel comfortable with anybody who's in the yeah. room. The other thing that it does is is that it should create in you that anybody that comes into your room feels comfortable mm. because wow. – You know, like this guy that I told you about in Endareville, Kentucky, right? I could—he's probably in heaven now, but I could have picked him up and taken him around anywhere, and there would have been—nobody in the room would have known who this guy was ever, ever, ever. And sadly, in some settings, might have been going, how big is your church? 300. Oh, bless your heart. Wow. Because they didn't understand the Mm -hmm. dynamic, you know? So I think you have to be careful, you know— and you you got to always make room for for guys and for people. Um, you know, there's there's just no substitute for humility. There's no substitute for always knowing that in our world, in particular, uh, we can do all these things through Christ, who strengthens us. Um, you know, if 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 Jesus decides to walk away from here because we've, you know basically did what the church did in the book of revelation you know kicked him out Um, then we're going to have a form with no power Mm. Mm -hmm. lives won't be changed
0: Wow.
2: we'll just be out here you know so back to your question um you know i i i think and for me and i can only speak for me um i think there was a combination of things that kind of you know and and that is is that i never i never think never even today do i ever think well this is it you know because i look around me and i see so many people in my community uh that aren't in church not only not in ours aren't in any Mm -hmm. church um you know there's probably roughly 20% of our population of our city that considers themselves members of a church any church well that leaves 80% wow. you know so you know we the fields are still wide under harvest yeah. you know so i think i think that i think the other thing is is i think what really helped me a lot was Decades ago, I heard from Tommy Barnett, you know, he dropped these one-liners on me over the years, and one of them that just really impacted me was, the message is sacred, the method isn't. I think what always helped us was that we've never been married to a method. And when, I, when, I, when Tommy said that to me, and then I, I was started reading the Gospels, uh, and nowhere at any time did Jesus teach method. Ever, ever, ever. He never taught method. He taught message. And his message transcends all the generations. But he never taught method. Why? Because he didn't know methods? No, he knew tons of methods. But being who he is, he that was, is, and is to come, right? Being who he is, he knew. He could see down the history, and he knew methods were going to change. Just take the message and then wrap the method around it. But you know so we i I think what what could have really stopped us, and sad to say can stop anybody uh and I'm talking about marriage, career, anything, is that you get you you sanctify the method, yeah, and you forget the message you know it happens to a lot of married couples, right? they're very good at the method of being married, but they forget the message. Wow. What wins that girl to you is your message it's not your method it's your message right she feels it she feels those words she feels that she sees it and then what happens to a lot of couples I as I've watched them over time is they forget the message and they make the method well I bought you flowers uh, you know I come home every night wow. right and yeah. and you forget the message and I think that that you know, can stop anybody.
0: There's a there's a, a thought that Pastor has unpacked so brilliantly on on being a builder, right? And you don't sit back and just let life happen. You 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 build it every right? day. Every day every you day. build it. Years ago, I heard you say I heard you say this statement. Um, I think I think I w- it was during a relevant conference. It wasn't Thrive yet, and I got to be an, I, man. I was maybe 25, 26, and I was in a room with about maybe eight other guys, and you were teaching right? And uh, you said something like, you know, guys, there's just something about waking up every day and doing it. Just put your head down and plow. Yeah, grind it I, out. I think there's something that God just loves about that. Yeah. Just put your head down and plow, yeah. you know? And um, some, something that I, that I appreciate also about your perspective, Pastor Charles, is that you said, you know, I may not preach like this guy or I may not be creative like this guy, which either way you are, um, but you know, yeah. we're your biggest fans, but <laughs> you said, I, but I can always be faithful and I can always look forward. Right, I can always just put my head down. I can plow. I can build, and that's always given me hope. You know, it's like there's something I can do is make sure the guy next to me doesn't outwork me. You, you know? know, I'm I'm
2: I'm I'm a huge believer in that uh, scripture in Romans where you know Paul said, "Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly." Mm. So in other words, be real. Yeah. You know, look at yourself and and be honest with yourself. You know. Um, Most people are brutally honest in their negatives, Mm. but you also need to be honest in your positives. You know, Uh, Proverbs says a man's gift will make a way for him, and by it, his gift, he'll stand before kings. The word kings means men and women of influence. So God desires for us to stand before men and women of influence. Okay, so standing before a man or woman of influence, they have the ability to open doors for you. They have the ability to create things for you they sure. have the ability to give you wisdom that sure. you've probably never seen before yeah. that they can drop on you in a split second well what's going to get you there your gift and my gift isn't what i want it to be my gift isn't what i would like it to be my mm-hmm. gift is what it is so good. that's wow. what it is so good. and it's that it's that seeing that in you and then you know uh there are phenomenal basketball players that no one knows about why? Because they've never gone out and paid the price. They've never developed a gift. I, saw, I, I did a conference. You, I think you uh, guys are get a kick out of this. I did a conference decades ago in Atlanta, Georgia. There are four speakers. And by far, I was the most well-known guy in the room. I don't even remember who the other two guys were. But there was another guy who spoke the night before I did. Um, and uh, – People were talking about him, small circles talking about him. And his, he was known as uh, Pastor T.D. Jakes. And Pastor T.D. Jakes <laughs>
0: uh,
2: came in and spoke. And, you know, uh, we were there, and, and he had this mesmerizing voice. Well, about four years later, Rochelle and I were somewhere, and Bishop T.D. Jakes walked in the room. He'd shaved his head. Back then, he still had hair. And he shaved his head. And I'll never forget, Rochelle looked at me and said, Is that the same guy we saw in Atlanta? I said, Well, I think it's the same guy, but it's not the same preacher. Come on. Right? Because wow. something wow. had wow. happened. Right? And wow. he had gone from Pastor T.D. Jakes <laughs> in West Virginia meeting in a trailer park, I think somebody told me, to Bishop T.D. Jakes of Potter's House in Dallas. Dallas, And it was like, whoa. Now, (laughs) was that magic? No. What it was was I think that he somewhere, I I don't know. I've never talked to him about it. I'd love to. But he somewhere found that gift and wow, did he develop it? Just did build. he create it? Incredible. And he it. just built that gift and build built it. that gift and built that gift to where now I, I think I don't think anyone will argue he's probably the best orator in the world today. I mean uh, no one like him. no, it's no one like him.
1: I heard, I heard you say something in the beginning of one of the teachings a couple of weeks ago. there are these huge black doors at the back part of the stage that we can load in sets and equipment. and you said that you grabbed a piece of chalk. And you wrote down a statement, we're building something here.
0: No, I love how the Holy Spirit did that because yeah. we had no clue. When no Mark, idea. When Mark told me that story, he said, dude, years ago, pastor used that statement. To me, I was like, man, God's breathing on what we're doing because that has become a central core for us. Yeah, it's, uh, I, my,
2: I would say it's one of our pillars in the, uh, in the church overall, you know, that we're building something here. Wow. You know, and and to me, it came down to years ago, years ago. Just looking at my own life and deciding, okay, who am I going to be, you know, and, and, and what is my impact going to be in the world? As a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a pastor, as a teacher, as a friend, as a citizen, what am I going to be? And to me, you have, you have, you have two choices. You're either a builder or you're a destroyer. Mm. Which one are you going to be, right? So when I drive home tonight and I park my car and I walk into my house, am I going to build the people in this room or are you going to wow. destroy them? Right, And, and, and when, I, when I come to work, right, am I going to build people? I'm going to destroy them. That doesn't mean that you always have to be huggy, kissy, and puppies and all that. I mean, there's times in building that you have to correct, right? Sure, God's yeah, always sure. building us, but the Bible does say that he corrects us. He, he, he chastens us. He rebukes us. I mean, it's all there in the New Testament. I mean, he does it. But in the process, there is that overall building thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so am I going to be a builder? And anybody can be a get builder. Being a builder, having that written over your life, I'm a builder. I'm going to build people up. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to help people. Yeah. I am blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. You know, everything God does is to build you, us, to build us. So, you know, how am I going to be with my wife? How am I going to be with my kids? How am I going to be with my friends? How am I going to be with the guys I work with? Am I a builder, you know? I mean, it's little sayings, right? Are people glad when you come in the room or are they glad when you leave the room? Right? I mean, which is it, right? Yeah. I mean, and 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 no one decides that but me. I decide that. Wow. I decide that every day. What are you going to be? Are you going to be a builder or are you going to be a manager? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of managers. Managers are, I'm not trying to build. I'm just taking care of what I got. Well, that's a very selfish attitude, you know? And honestly, if you're not building something, that thing by nature is going to deteriorate, yeah, wow. right? Again, we're back to marriage illustration, right? A lot of guys had good marriages ten years ago. It, it's not that way now, yeah, now, they're not at the divorce attorney. they're not there, but you can see the boredom <laughs> It's dripping off of them <laughs> right they're just they're bored they there's no effort made anymore to build, mm. you know. And what are you going to do with your kids? I mean, you guys got little kids, right? Are, I mean, you going to build them? You know, you are going to build them? You know, a lot of parents, they're destroyers. Wow. You know what? What are you going to be? You know what? What? What's your church going to be? What's your business going to be? Okay, you want to be in business. You want to build a big business. Okay, but but why? Why do you want to build big? Why well, make a lot of money? Well, if your own goal is to make a lot of money, then you know. There's a lot easier ways to make a lot of money mm. going to criminal activity, right? You make a lot of money, <laughs> but you're not building anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? You're not wow. building anything. Yeah. There's nothing there, right? Wow. I mean, you know, I mean, you, know, you, you guys have heard this a thousand times, right? You go to London. This is one of the things that really struck me. You go to London, and there's Churchill Street. There's Churchill Statues. There's Churchill Hotel. Yeah. There's Churchill Restaurant, Churchill. He was one of the most criticized men of his generation, Right? But none of the people that criticized him have anything named after him, no streets named after him, no hotels, no statues, no yeah. nothing. Right? Nobody what? builds statues to, to destroyers. They no. build statues to That's builders. Crazy. You know? And they're the ones that leave a mark. They're the ones that, that people love and they want to be around you. And 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 when your life is over, they're gonna cry. Mm. In gratitude. Wow. You know, because you were in their life instead of, wow, well, I wish I could cry, but I'm really glad they're gone. You mm. know, Sheesh. I've done those funerals. Yeah, wow. I have. Yeah. I've done those yeah. funerals. You wow. know, where everybody yeah. was just sitting there saying, you know, you walk up and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. No, don't be. Mm. Sheesh. He was horrible his entire life. Oh, wow. wow. No, I'm not. No, be a builder. Don't be, and then, you know, don't be a manager, don't be a caretaker. And so what stops people from building? Here's a couple of thoughts, right? What stops people from building? Number one, you got all kinds of excuses why you can't build,
1: yeah.
2: right? The economy, the president's a Republican, the president's a Democrat. You know, you've got all these reasons. You know, you got this reason, you got that reason, you got this group. This group has stopped me. That group stopped me. If my aunt had been an uncle instead of an aunt, my life would have been better. I mean, you know, you've got all of these reasons, right? Yeah. They're everywhere. One day I was at a pharmacy, and behind, me, behind the pharmacist where I was paying, there was a sign, and they said, ask about our flavored syrups for your medicine for your kids. And they had all these flavors, right? And I looked at it and I told the guy, I said, man, I wish they'd had that when I was a kid. you know." And he said, yeah, me too. And I walked out, and as I'm walking out, right, I heard this voice in my spirit. It had to be the Holy Spirit. And he said to me, he said, excuses are like that syrup. Wow. I said, excuses just help you to swallow failure. Wow. That's all they do.
0: Gosh.
2: And, and I was just like, okay. <coughs> wow. So I started looking at my life. You know, what, what, what excuses am I using? Wow. Right? What excuses? And I remember that time. It was when we were thinking about building this sanctuary, and I had a list of excuses why we couldn't do it. Mm. Right? And I just finally said, you know, so I'm using excuses not to build. Right? I mean, it's right there. Right there. Right? Wow. And then the other one that stops people Is you you find somebody to blame? You got somebody to blame. Wow! I got to find somebody to blame. Wow! Right? It's not my fault. Mm. It's your fault. Mm. Wow! Right? And and listen, I I know I know people make choices that affect us that we don't that we would have never asked them to make. They affect us. You know, but I also say that okay, so you're here. I know a young man that grew up in South El Paso. This is a true story. I know him. I know his story. Grew up in South El Paso. Everyone around him was in gangs, went to prison, or got killed. That's what he told me. All of the kids that he went to school with were in gangs, went to prison, or are dead. He's on Dallas SWAT. Same environment, same area, same everything. So explain that to me. Wow. Wow. Right? Wow. Because his mother told him, you will never do that. And she told him, you're going to achieve this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to achieve this, and you're going to do this. So he was raised in that same environment. So, you know, people always say, well, this and this. And I always say, yeah, but I can give you a thousand examples of people that rose above it, came out of it, overcame it. Yeah. Was it harder for him? Absolutely it was harder for him. No doubt. I'll give it to him. Am I going to say that my path was harder than his? That's a joke. That'd be an insult. Mm. My path was much easier than his. But he chose to quit blaming and this and that, right? And we live in a culture that there are people that are always trying to say, here, blame this one, blame this, blame that, blame this, Mm. And you can, but you're not going to build. You're not going to go anywhere. You're just going to sit there in, in that little circle of blame and pity and people patting you and telling you how sorry they are. And you're crying. Oh, come on, man. You know, at some point, and I'm not trying to be ugly and make anybody mad, but at some point, to me, you got to get up out of the corner. you got to quit laying there in the fetal position, sucking your thumb, and you got to get up and you got to get in the game.
1: Come on. That's right.
2: you got to get in the game. Yeah. You got to get in here, and in the game, you're going to get some bruises. Your uniforms are going to get dirty, and not everything's going to work. But at least you got in the
1: game. Wow! You might you might be um, at the gym right now, or in your car, and you're listening. and We hope you're getting encouraged, challenged, and uh, we want to kind of take a look at Matthew seven a little bit, and how there's wise builders and there's foolish builders. You, as a listener, you as a as a person, as a follower of Christ, you're building something, and I think that. When you're look, talking about foundation, you have to look at the quality of the substance that's going into the foundation. Mm. And so as we're, we're building our lives brick by brick, what are some essential bricks as a young adult is building their life yeah. that you would say this is something that you need to put in your foundation? Yeah, What's man. It? I'll building just blocks.
2: rattle them all for you, right? and yeah. no particular order of importance. To me, this is not up and down line. This is horizontal line. Yeah. Right? They're all equal number one or one of the first things i would say this is going to sound funny right don't do anything where you get arrested <laughs> right
1: Jeez. wisdom right there yeah right cuz that cuz yeah. that's going to go Game with changer. you
2: that's going to go with you throughout your life yeah. you're not going to be able to shake yeah. that doors are going to close right don't be stupid like that man you know i don't care i don't care how much stupid you were raised around don't Don't do anything. And if you have, do whatever you got. Try to do whatever you can to get it off your record. Right. Right? So don't do that. Uh, The next thing I would say, right, there's an old saying, and I really do believe it. If you show me today who you're hanging around with, I'll show you your future in five years.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: If you show me what you're reading today, I'll show you your future in five years. Wow. Right? So it's proven. What you're reading and who you're hanging with is going to create your future. Wow. When I saw that years ago, and I heard it in a a conference, I looked around me and I went, I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't mean that ugly, but I didn't want that. I wanted that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go hang around with that, right? People ask me all the time to say, you know, why do you hang around with the guys you hang around with? Because I want to live where they're living. Come on. Right? I, I, I want to live what they're living. I said the other night, at church. I don't know if you heard me, but I said, if if I, if I was a young guy and I wanted to be successful in real estate, I'm not going to go down here to the coffee shop where all the do-nothings go and talk about there's nothing to do. Mm. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go find the most successful real estate person in this city, and I'm going to convince them to, A, give me a job, or B, don't give me a job, but let me hang around and watch and learn and let me ask, questions. you don't even have to pay me. That's good. You don't have to pay me.
0: Mm.
2: You don't have to pay me. I'll just come here, and, and I promise myself that in six weeks you'll hire me. That's good. I'll be the best employee you've ever That's had. incredible. You will hire me. You will not be able to live. You, can, you won't be able to imagine life without me in your life. Wow. I will make myself indispensable to you. And in the process, you're going to give me an education that is priceless. Wow. Right? So, you know, get get around people that are living where you want to live, right? It's the NASCAR deal, right? Get the drafting effect. Mm. Let the guy in front of you pull you with him, right? Attach your star. Hook yourself up. Get around those people. Uh, the other thing I, I, would, I would say is, you know, take care of the smalls in your life. Wow, that's good. Right? Jesus said, if you're faithful in the smalls, you'll be ruler over much. Why? Because much is made up of hundreds, if not thousands, of smalls. Mm. You know, we we pastor much here. The three of us in this room, we pastor much. We make big church look simple, right? But we all know it's not simple. But the reason why it looks simple is because we have hundreds of people every week taking care of the smalls, right? right? When those nursery workers walk in those rooms. The, the wipes are there. The diapers are there. The toys are clean. Everything is set up. Security is in place. Everything is set up. Why? Because we have people that are taking care of the smalls. And if you don't take care of the smalls in your marriage, if you don't take care wow. of the smalls in your health, right? Oh, well, I go to the gym every day. Yeah, but you eat a brownie Sunday every day, too. <laughs> yeah. And no matter how much you spend in the gym, you're not going to work off that. So mm-hmm. it's, you do the much, but you're not take care of the small. And so, you know... Uh, I, I've I've really endeavored in my life, right? Uh, Zechariah says, "Despise not the day of small beginnings." Job eight says, "Though your beginning was small, so everything God does, He starts small." Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know why He's in love with small beginnings, but He is. He starts small. Kingdom of God is if a man should cast seed into the ground. Well, why? You're God. Why don't you just start with the whole stalk with the orn, yeah. with the corn? I don't know. He starts with the seed. It's the way he loves to do things. He loves to see things grow. He loves to build things. So take care of the smalls in your life, right, in your marriage. Tell your wife you love her.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. fantastic. Tell her you love her. Fantastic.
2: And not on Valentine's. (laughs) Tell her you love her. And not just when you want sex. Tell her you love her. Take care of the smalls. Show up during the week with a bouquet of flowers or something that she totally expects. Take. Care of the smalls. Wow! Take care of them with your kids. What are they listening to? What are they watching? Who are they hanging around with? When you take them over to your cousin or to the cousin's house, what's going on back in that room?
1: Mm.
0: Are you taking care of that?
1: That's
0: right. You know, one of the things that I love about your story, Pastor, is that it began with young adults. You know, it began with with a passion and a ministry towards and and serving some high schoolers some college students yeah. while you're in college yeah right um, and I, I think that it's it's really cool that we get we we get the opportunity to minister to young adults and just yeah. really carry on that legacy um, and and if you could give give us some of the give, give us some of what, what you see or maybe maybe as as our senior pastor where you'd like for this to go you know, in in terms of the responsibility our young adults take in ownership of the church, ownership of their faith, ownership of what we're building here in this house. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and in that, you know, one of the conversations that you and I had recently was, you know, Cruz, I'm, I'm a little nervous about the next generation. I'm a little nervous about their ownership of faith, ownership of their lives, ownership of this church specifically, you know? And so, um, I'd love for us to be able to hear what's in your heart for for these young adults, and their role in where God has taken our church and where you see our church going. I I'm I'm concerned that
2: there are some, and I'm not I'm not making a blanket statement by yeah. any means, but I think there's some that that somehow think that that this church thing, this life thing, is easy, hmm. and. It's not. Um, Jesus never said it was easy. Didn't even hint that it was easy. Mm. Uh, it's a fight. You know? And and you have to be you have to be willing to fight. You're gonna have to fight for your health. You're gonna have to fight for your marriage. You're gonna have to fight for your career. You're gonna have to fight, you're gonna have to fight for a meaningful relationship with God. You're gonna have to fight. And you gotta be willing to fight. And in the process of fighting, you're gonna get smacked. Okay, you're going to get knocked down. Paul said, "I've been knocked down, but I wasn't knocked
0: out." Mm.
2: Right? Paul got knocked down. Paul got knocked down. Well, if Paul got knocked down, what are the odds Charles is going to get knocked down? Pretty good, yeah. right? So, you know, I think I think you have to be you have to look at it. I think you have to you have to be willing to say uh, which I I think I think my generation pretty good at this is that you know we we respected what those that were ahead of us had created and we respected it and we didn't see it as something that needed to be destroyed it was something wow. that needed to be built upon wow. you know i don't think this is original with him but joseph prince said to me once he said you know people ask me all the time that he asked him all the time where'd you get this revelation on grace he said, I can see so far because of the shoulders of the men I stand on. Mm. And, you know, he always honors the fathers of who we are today. Um, you know, go learn from those guys. Go, go pick up an Oral Roberts book and read it. Go pick up a T.L. Osborne book and read it, you know. Uh, go pick up a book by Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, and read it. Go get an E.W. Kenyon book and read it, you know. Go pick up an F.F. Bosworth book and read it, yeah. you know. Go back and get an Mandino book. You know, Mm. go get a Napoleon Hill book. Go get those books and read them and understand how you're able to stand so high because of the foundations these guys laid and honor that and respect that and understand the sacrifice because you're going to be called upon to make a sacrifice. Mm. You know, you're going to be called upon. You know, I've had a great life, but I've sacrificed. A lot, you know? And so I've sacrificed a lot of friendships, you know? I've sacrificed a, a lot of nights away from home, you know? I've sacrificed a lot of, you know, whatever. Everybody has, and some have paid much more than any of us can conceive of. You know, Tommy Barnett's got two cousins that are buried in India. You know, they never brought them home. Gave their life.
1: Gave their life
2: you know and nobody even knows right so i mean there's there's this sense of of being willing to stand for the cause of Christ and and now you know i i i'm concerned that in our in our desire to be cool or whatever uh and i'm all for being cool but in our desire for that 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 we end up compromising the very things that makes Christianity Christianity. Wow. wow. And uh, Christianity. Listen, I mean, you guys know this, man. But may we never forget. In John 14, Jesus said, "I am the way." Amen. He didn't say, "I'm a way." Bang. Now there are going to be people that like that, and there are going to be people that don't like that. You know. And I had a guy say to me one time. He said, "Well, you know." How how can you teach that Jesus is the only way? I don't believe in Jesus. Well, because I'm a Christian. And he just looked at me. He said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, I'm a Christian. If you want me to deny that Jesus is the way, then I have no Christianity left. Wow. <clears throat> it doesn't exist. Now it just becomes principles. Self-help. Jesus becomes a self-help teacher. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with being self-help. But Jesus didn't come saying... Hey, I'm a I'm a I'm a self-help teacher. Yeah. He said, I am the way to the Father. Nobody comes to the Father but through me.
1: Yeah.
2: People say, Well, that hurts my feelings. I can see why. But I believe that. And I'm not going to let go of that because maybe it offends one. Because there's thousands that respond to it in a positive way. Christianity is not this this uh beautiful hallmark card there's an edge to it the book of ephesians calls the word of god the sword of the spirit for a reason it is a sword there's an edge to it Mm. and we we must be careful that we don't yield it or wield it as a weapon to hurt other people but by its very nature right it, it draws lines it it does either you believe or you don't you accept him for who he is or well, you don't that's okay i don't get mad at people because they don't but i'm not going to change because they're mad and i don't have a solution for that i i don't i don't i don't see how we bridge that so i'm cuz that concerns me
0: you know i think the and the beauty the beauty of a builder and the beauty of someone who's who's had their hands on it is that you still have to deal with the frustrations you have to I mean, jesus said it right that when you build and you build on these words of mine the wind will blow the storm will come the rain will fall but the house will stand the house will stand the house will stand and you you want to build something right and and the, to the 21-year-old that's listening to me right now, it's like, Cruz, well, the only thing I got is college, or the only thing I got is these two classes that I'm trying to well build with it, because that's that's gonna become something, that's bedrock to something when you're 41, mm. 51, 61, right. mm. yeah. that you the rain will come, mm-hmm. the wind will blow, but you're gonna be able it will not fall, and you'll be able to hand it off to the next one. You'll be able, you know, you're what you're building here, you'll be able to hand it off there. Yeah. You know? And I think that, Pastor, you just you just hammered these thoughts so, so just beautifully. I mean, so beautifully. And it it all begins, though. It all begins with building on the words of Jesus. Right. He is not a way. He is the way. way. He is not optional. He's essential. Mm -hmm. He's not just a way of life. He's the culture, right? Um, And, you know, we don't make any assumptions about where you're at in life and where you're at in your walk with God um, as you're listening to this. And, you know, we've got our pastor in on on the podcast with us and we wanted him to take a moment uh, to do what we do in every one of our services. One of the ways he leads us um, at our church is every time we gather, we may, we're, we're giving an opportunity for someone to say yes to Jesus every time we gather. Right. And so this is no different. This is still a gathering and we, we want to give you an opportunity to begin to build well and be, begin to build right and build something that'll remain that begins with Jesus at the foundation. Yeah. Right? And so, Pastor, would you just take a moment to to pray for those who are listening? Maybe they're far from God. Maybe they're not walking right with God. Maybe they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm so glad when I was in college that a, a group of kids from Campus Crusade for Christ showed up in our world. And I laughed at them. I mocked them. I made fun of them. But they hung in there, and they kept talking to me, and they kept witnessing to me, and they kept reaching out to me, and they kept coming to where I was. And, you know, they pulled me in. And so, you know, I'm so grateful for that. I can't imagine where my life would be today. Um, You know, Jesus has been with me now for 50 years, and more than 50, actually. And so good and bad, thick and thin, you know, he's been there. He's been the one constant, uh, always the same. And the great thing is, is he wants to be that way with all of us. Mm. And and he doesn't matter where you've been. He doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter to him what you should have done that you didn't do, or what you shouldn't have done that you did do. It doesn't matter. It matters from the standpoint of he wants to save you from each. Sin carries guilt. I don't care how you wrap it, how you fluff it, how beautiful you make it, how many commercials they do. Uh, It carries guilt. We have in us, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that God has set eternity into every man's heart. So every one of us has that sense of connection to eternity. And eternity does not begin when you die. Eternity begins right here, right now. Jesus said, I've come to give you eternal life. Connect you to that eternal life. And so, you know, all of us have sinned. It's the one thing we all have in common. Doesn't matter if you live in Texas or you live in Singapore or you live in Australia or you live in Africa. It's the one thing we all have in common. We've all sinned. And sin separates us from God because God is holy and righteous. And the only way that can be fixed is God had to fix it. The sinner couldn't fix it, the Savior had to fix it. So God sent His Son. All God, all man, and he stands between the gap and he connected us. Job said, I need a mediator to stand between me and God. It was the one thing that, I mean, it's one of the things he 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 saw the need and it wasn't possible. I need a mediator. Well, we have that mediator, and that mediator is Jesus, and he wants to come into your life. He doesn't come carrying a stick, he comes uh, bringing forgiveness. And love and acceptance. And there's an old saying, but it's especially true, and that is, God loves you the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants you to become a child of God. And by accepting Jesus into your life, because you know you need to, because you need a Savior, by acknowledging that need and accepting Him, then He will come into your life and you will become a child of God. Have you done that? Have you done it? Or maybe you would say to me tonight, Pastor, at one time, you know, I walked really pretty good with God, but I've gotten distracted, or I got tempted, or I got offended, or I just got lazy. It doesn't matter how you got where you are, but you admit where you are, and you remember a better life. And you're thinking, would you pray with me about that? Of course. So if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life tonight, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask you to pray along with us. I'm going to give you the words. You're going to give it the meaning. Or if you just say, Pastor, I'm just ready to get off this road and get back on the right road. I want to build with God's help. I want to do it. I want to do something. I want to live my life a better way. Then let's pray about that, too. You ready? Okay, here we go. Repeat after us. Say, Lord Jesus, we believe in you. I accept you today into my life as my Lord and my Savior. You died, rose again. you died and rose again for this moment, for this moment. Right, now. right now, come into my life. Into my life. I, put I put you on the throne of my life. On the of my life. From, now on, From now on, you lead, you lead I, follow. I follow. You're the master. You're, the master. You're, Lord here. You're Lord here. Teach me how to live. How to live. Make, yourself Make yourself known to me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we believe, we believe, based on the authority of God's Word, that you're now a child of God. So find a good church, right? And if you can't find one where you live, they're hard to find, or you're out somewhere, tune in to us. Watch us live stream. You can pick us up all the time. We'd love to have you. All right? So the guys are
1: going to come back and talk to you some more. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, or maybe it was a second or third, or you recommitted your life to Christ, we want to hear from you. Uh, DM us at this Prime Culture on Instagram. We want to hear all about what God's doing. So, Pastor Cruz, I want to give you sixty seconds as we close things down. What are some of your takeaways? First of all, I'm just
0: grateful to be serving in this house. Amen. Man. First of all, real uh, like real talk, you know, being able to hear Pastor's heart and see his eyes as he talked about building together and what an honor, you know, for me, what an honor to be able to sit here and talk about, Hey, Pastor Charles, we're building together. Yeah. with someone like him and with a legacy like his. And yeah. so um, my, my big takeaway is this, that regardless of where you're at in life, you're always in a building season. Don't yeah. get lax and don't let go of that momentum and don't let go of that work. You're always building something. And what I love is that we're never building alone. I'm walking away so encouraged, specifically by the, by the Matthew 7. You know, I'm building. Jesus is giving me the instruction, the resources. Yeah. I'm on his work site. We're working together. And, you know, I really love just the whole plurality i'm not building something here mark's not building something here we are building something here him and us right Absolutely. and I'm, I'm just excited that we get to be a part of what he's doing in this for this and through this man yeah we're building something here
1: bro this this podcast is like a super episode and it <laughs> blew me away yeah <laughs> like, it's like, like a, i'm yeah. trying to yeah. end and i don't want to end it yeah. like yeah. it was it was so powerful was epic. and i hope that you were just as encouraged and just as challenged i hope you were challenged today um, to be intentional about what you're building and, you know, build with the end in mind. Whew, you know. Our next culture night is coming up on March the 19th at Epic Rail Rail-Yard. Yard.
0: 7.30 p.m. It's going to be a great night. It's gonna be great. We haven't had a culture night in a while. Yeah. And so this is our first culture night in almost two months. So. You, you need to be there.
1: Absolutely. I'm convinced that friends don't let friends miss culture. Come on. Night. Just so excited about the season that God has us in and great things are coming we got more podcasts coming your way let's go hey fridays are prime day yep dropping we'll see you back next week tell your friends share it like it rate it all of it do it all for the culture